0: All right, all right, all right. It is time for another Midweek Mastery episode here. Uh, a quick hitting little uh, episode for you today that I know you're going to love uh, where we dive into some practical stuff for you and your life and your business and you know something that you can really use um, that also doesn't take an hour or 90 minutes to listen to. So uh, you're going to love this episode. We get into some really practical stuff. I really want to encourage you to, to take notes if you can. So if you're driving, uh, obviously don't. But if you're not, You know, have your notes out out, or, you know, have your notebook out because this is going to be really practical advice that you can implement into your life and business right away. That's going to move the needle for you. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show with our midweek mastery episode of the day. Today's topic of conversation
1: is how to have transformative conversations. How do you have someone change and change for good? What does this person need in, from my lens, but also try to empathize with their lens? What are they going through? What do I feel like they are at right now in life? What do I think they need? What do I think I want them to feel? And I'll just try to think with the end in mind before I show up to the conversation. And then once I get to the conversation, I'm always going to show up with curiosity. Curiosity and empathy. Curious, where are you at? empathize with whatever it is they're feeling. I wanna make sure that I'm present to have a transformational conversation. What is my end outcome? What are my desired outcomes of the combo? How do I want them to feel? And also, can I make sure that I'm aligned with them, curious, empathetic? How do you make sure that you actually
0: get them to give you more information instead of just making assumptions? I like to set intentions, but if I set too many intentions, maybe I'll try to force my perspective onto the situation.
1: And maybe my perspective is actually wrong because I don't have a complete picture. That's why it's the balance between the empathy and curiosity. I have ideas of what I think based on the evidence that's in front of me but I'm also willing to pivot as needed as the conversation unfolds. So there's that flexibility that needs to be there. So yes, there is some level of intentionality that goes in before the combo. One of my mentors used to say, plan tight and
0: hang loose. The whole idea there is, yes, have a plan coming in for a transformative conversation to take place as a starting point, like set intentions, and then also be willing to throw any part of your plan out the window, depending on how that person shows up. I'll talk a little bit about how we know when to pivot. How do you know when to kind of push your agenda? And how do you know when to allow their new information to actually color the conversation and take it in a different direction? And the answer really is it depends, but how do you know when? And that's why, you know, showing up with presence is so important. When we show up with complete presence and we're able to really meet the moment for that person, they can sense that, they can feel that. They can also sense and feel when you're distracted, when you're sending emails at the same time, you're on the call, when you're actually thinking about the conversation you had with your boss 30 minutes ago, when we are distracted, whether it's with home life, personal life, business life, anything that's on our minds, besides that person sitting in front of us on the Zoom call, or that person on the other end of the line... that person sitting in our office or out to lunch or breakfast uh, or coffee. When we're anywhere else, the likelihood of a transformative conversation goes down dramatically. Nobody's interested in opening up and sharing something that maybe they're uncomfortable sharing, which is sort of a prerequisite for transformation if the person isn't present. So, You know, making sure that you set these intentions, that you show up the right way energetically, physiologically, that you actually have the awareness to pick up on subtle
1: cues so that you know when to pivot. To the question that you said, it's like, how do you know? How do you know what this person might need or how do you know what this person is feeling? I'm curious to hear from you on that. Hmm. How do you know intuitively? That this person is withholding something. I think it was Carl Rogers, who's a famous psychologist from the lineage of Freud. Carl
0: Rogers is very influential in that perspective. And he said, if the conversation isn't interesting, then there's nothing therapeutic taking place. (laughs) I think that's insanely true. When I am very interested in the conversation and they are very interested in the conversation, it's at least creating the potential field for us to create a transformation. Pay attention to subtle cues. You can pay attention to their body language. How are they holding themselves? How are they feeling themselves? Pay attention to their level of eye contact. Definitely pay attention to their language patterns. Pay attention to subtle ways that they phrase something in their language patterns will give you clues and hints about where this person's at. Some things people can conceal, but other things they can't. And body language, their eye contact, the subtle cues about how their language comes
1: out. They can't do so much. So anytime I hear them say the word need, that shows there's potential for scarcity. So I'm going to kind of feel into that a little bit and just see if that's the truth. Sometimes the language gives us clues. You have the clues from their physiology. Then I could feel into that with, tell me a little bit more about need. What's your relationship with need versus want? Might be a question to explore. If they mm-hmm. say something like, oh, my mom keeps talking to me about this or my manager talks about this or they constantly are talking about this in the media. It's almost like this blame. So that means they're not taking some sort of responsibility for something. So that's a cue of like, they don't want to take ownership So, there's some sort of barrier or ego or something that I want to kind of bring down that wall and at least open up the conversation around that. So, that's a cue for me. And the other one is, I'm just not sure if I really want that. I'm not sure, like, is this the right time? Or, you know, I just have a lot going on right now. So, I'm just really uncertain or not sure what's the relationship with uncertainty. That might be something that I might want to explore with them. So that way it doesn't become debilitating, but we can also explore finding certainty within certainty. Or maybe it could be a self confidence. And awesome. One of the things that I think is also really useful, though, is to give people tools that are a little bit more scientific. Right off the
0: bat, we want to build rapport really quickly, though. And it's not just build rapport like, how have you been? How's the weather? Or whatever. It's syncing up energetically. I want to ask myself, what kind of mood is this person in? What's their energy level? Are they focused? Are they distracted? And the best way to do that is just kind of ask an open ended question that gets them talking for 60 to 90 seconds, right? So it could just be, hey, you know, I know we haven't talked in a while. How have things been with the family, by the way? We haven't chatted on that in a while and just let them rant for 60 seconds. It's almost a transition into the conversation. That opening section is really simple. But then the next thing is called a pre-frame. And a pre-frame is, again, probably 30 to 90 seconds. But basically what I'm doing is I'm planning out what our goals are, what are our objectives for the conversation, how we're going to get there. Uh, I'm building a little credibility along the way. And then I'm gonna tell them what we're gonna do at the end. And then you get their agreement. Once they agree to the premise, does that sound good? Which is one of the easiest yes questions in the world. Once they agree with the premise, anytime they try to stray from the agreement that we just made, they cannot, it doesn't make sense because they're incongruent with the word they just said. So that's creating a frame around the conversation. Now that is a sales free frame but you can equally come up with one just to sit down and have a transformative conversation with a subordinate who's underperforming or with somebody
1: who's really struggling with an addiction problem. There's so many different ways to use this. Yeah. I'm glad you just mentioned that you could use this for outside of just a sales conversation. So mm-hmm. if you're running a business or you're running the household and you want to have this conversation and parent somebody, it's the same concept. It's like, listen, the reason why I want to have this conversation with you and the preframes, the reason why I want to have this conversation with you is because I've been seeing. This, I'd really like to start seeing this happen. And I'd like to kind of close that gap. Is it okay if we could have a conversation about closing that gap? It might be like, this is where you are. This is where I'd like you to be. There's gap there. Can this conversation just be a bridge to bridge that gap? You could adopt that similar philosophy for any type of conversation. Next step after proofing is usually the discovery where I'm going to start asking some of the deeper questions. So during the discovery part of this conversation is very much curiosity. And you want to have some really good go-to questions to ask where you can get below the surface. I noticed you did this. I'd like to know a little bit more about what was your reasoning behind doing that. Let them come to the surface. Let them bring what's real to the surface with creating that type of question asking. And then it's like, tell me more about that. So tell me a little bit more about that. Why is that important to you? Where do you think that stems from? Why do you think that? Why do you think that's important to you? Do you think that's important to you? Or do you think it's important to other people in your life and you want to please those people? So therefore you made it important to you. So it's like entering into their paradigm a little bit and also not only entering into the way they see the world, but it's also questioning a little bit of how they see the world because maybe they never even thought about it. Maybe there's some of their belief systems aren't even theirs. It's actually imposed beliefs by their environment or by their parents or by their circumstances. The basic philosophy here is how can we help somebody if we don't really understand what their needs are how can we
0: help somebody if we don't understand what their challenges are we really have to try to get to the root of the problem you know we were talking a little bit about emotions and any sort of big decision it's an emotional decision and so we need to actually go into the emotion in the conversation The way to do that is to actually ask these discovery questions about, okay, what's going on? And then how does that feel on a daily basis? What's that experience on a regular basis? So that people can connect with those emotions. So we need to create a space and cultivate a space for them to do that by practicing non-judgment and asking open-ended questions just to get the truth out there and to get them flowing a little bit and and in that state where they're open enough to share. And then once we have like an assessment of where they're at, I like to ask consequence-based questions that drive that emotion deeper. I'm gonna drive it to both polarities. The first polarity is what I call hell and the second polarity is heaven. Essentially, it's like a pain, pleasure, Hey, what's the consequence if this continues to be a problem in your life? Who else is affected by that? How would that feel on a regular basis? So we're really amping up their association in real time on this call to the pain. And then I'm going to flip the coin. Hey, thanks for going there with me. On the flip side, if you do solve this problem, what's that going to feel like? Paint a picture for me. A year from now, where are you going to be? What's that going to look like? What's that going to feel like? What's it going to look like five years from now? What about 10 years from now? What about when you're in your rocking chair? How's it going to feel knowing the rest of your whole life you had this problem? conquered. How's that going to feel? And they're like, "Mm, it's going to feel awesome. It's going to feel great. And all of a sudden we're starting to like create that pain pleasure sandwich. Now they're motivated. They're really inspired to take action because the emotion's there. They know what they should do. Everyone knows what they should do. We can talk to anybody in the whole world. They know what they should do probably but why aren't they doing it? And it's mostly because they're not associated to the pain
1: that they're actually in and then the pleasure they could experience if they actually did solve the problem. When you talk about the pain, sometimes people aren't going to want to go there. So they're going to put on some sort of guard or some sort of shield. So it's important for you to... Create the space where it feels very safe. For example, if you say, "Hey, what are the consequences of going there?" and they're like, "Ah, uh, I don't know. Do we have to really talk about that?" It's like we definitely don't have to. And I just want to make sure I let you know, and then you could share a personal story. It's like the reason why I asked the question to you is because when it was asked to me, I saw it opened up possibilities of life that I didn't even know existed. And I just want that for you. If you were to continue on this path, what might show up for you down the road if you continued on this path? What would the compound effect of that look like maybe. And then sometimes they'll laugh. They'll laugh at their own pain. As the leader of this conversation, if they laugh at their own pain, you're breaking some ground, which is really good. You want to hold space. So if you laugh with them, You're now showing them it's okay versus holding space. If you ask the consequence pain question and it triggers an emotion and they start crying and you make it feel like a little awkward where it's like, sorry about that. I didn't mean to make you cry. It's like, just hold space, breathe. You know, I slow down your breath. I think it's really important. You slow down your breath, slow down your nods a little bit and just sit there and just nod. slow down your voice. Say, I see you had, you know, something trigger there. What do you think that trigger was? You know, and slow it down. Hold the space so that way they really feel into whatever that pain was because the transformation happens through the tunnel of pain. And if you can continue through the tunnel of pain and get them to the other end of that tunnel and show them what the light of pleasures looks like, that's where the transformation takes place. I definitely think it takes a lot of practice
0: and a lot of people are uncomfortable in those situations. Being comfortable in those potentially awkward situations where somebody's triggered and staying present, staying with them. We need to be able to guide them through the hell and then show them the heaven in order to actually create that transformation that's gonna last. I like to check their commitment because in some ways it's really easy to say all the right things up until this point, because a lot of times, again, people know what they're supposed to do. At the end of the day, we still need to get them across the point of no return. And that's that decision point. When once you make a decision, it's really easy to stick to it. But if you don't fully make the decision, people aren't going to actually transform. I like to do a commitment check. So I ask, Hey, uh, looks like if you don't change, this is your future, this pain, 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 pain. And if you do change, this is your future, this pleasure, 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 pleasure. And now that you're here, and you're looking at these two options, you're standing at the fork in the road, how committed on a scale from one to 10 are you to that second reality? What would you say on a scale from one to 10? If it's seven through a nine, thank them for you know being honest with me because I do see those as honest answers. And then I'm gonna basically walk them through, you know. Well, hey, what's stopping you from being a 10? So we can actually address the fear that's there. And really, what's stopping them is its fear. That's all that's stopping them. It could be fear of failure, fear of missing out fear that they're not good enough, fear of anything in this world, but there's some kind of fear that's holding them back from being a 10. The two other options before I kick it back to you, Mike, are the fake 10 and the real 10. The real 10 is obvious, where it's just like, I'm a 10, man, I'm ready, let's go. I wasn't sure before this conversation, but now I'm ready. And you can just kind of sense, you're looking for ecology between their tone of voice, their language, and their body language. And if like those things are matching up, you can kind of sense that it's real. But a fake 10 is like, You know, I would say, Mike, like, I think I'm like uh, a 10 probably. (laughs) And like when someone says that, it's very obvious that they're not a 10. If you're reading between the lines and paying attention to the cues. So then, hey, I appreciate that you want to be a 10. And yeah, I'm sensing some hesitancy. And I'm going to take it right back. What's stopping you from being a really a 10? What would you say? What was that hesitancy about? I'm going to point that. So that commitment check is just a really important skill that so many leaders, so many managers miss out on. And they think they had a transformative conversation, but it didn't actually
1: get them across the point of no return. And so we're right back where we started, you know, a few weeks later. I would re-listen to everything that Andrew just laid out for you, because if you listen to this fundamental approach, Andrew said there was art and he said there was science. What he just laid out Mm -hmm. for you was 100% science. Do the open with the question, then the rapport, pre-frame, discovery, go through the pain, go through the pleasure. And then you do a commitment check. He just gave you the blueprint. And if you can get really good at that blueprint, that's the skill, that's the science. You're also going to position yourself to practice and you can get a little bit better at the art, which takes, you know, takes some time, takes some skill, takes some practice.
0: All right. Better than Rich show listener. Thanks for sticking around to the end. If this episode inspired you, if it motivated you, if the connection that you're getting from our guests and from us resonates with you, we just want to extend a little offer to you to help you regain some time. Because one of the things that we've realized as busy entrepreneurs is that our time is the most valuable asset that we have in our business, but also with our families, with our health, with our personal growth. Uh, All those certain things that we want to grow in our lives, they require time, they require energy. And we've launched a service that we've been doing for now for over a year that has a lot of traction in the marketplace that just sources a team of virtual assistants for you. And so if you've never had a conversation with a member of our Better Than Rich team before on our virtual assistant program, you're missing out. It's an opportunity to learn more about what we're up to. And ultimately, we help people regain 80, 100, 150 or more hours a month, every single month. And what might that do for you? What might that do for your life? What might that do for your family? And if you want to live a life that's truly better than rich, time freedom is a big part of that. So Mike, where can people learn more and why should people at least book a call with our team?
1: Well, first, I think it's very simple for you to just go book a call. It's free. We'll hop on uh, with you. One of our... Sh- team strategists, and we'll just poke around your business. Worst case, you figure out what your dollar per hour wage is and what your time is worth. And we'll at least make sure you leave with that. Best case scenario, we could give you a team of two or three or more virtual assistants to just get all of your admin offloaded. So make your way over to VA, that's VA as in virtual assistant dot betterthanrich.com. So that's va.betterthanrich.com and book your call. All the details are on there. The pricing is on there. We're an open book. We just know that this service is really helpful. So va.betterthanrich.com and we look forward to our conversation with you soon.